0: What's up, guys? We're all trying to keep our distance these days, which can be tough on agencies. If you are only offering your clients the option to pay by paper check, someone has to be in the office. Let me recommend an alternative to that. It's ePay Policy, a fantastic service that I've grown to depend on in my business. They are an agency-centric solution that helps you easily accept virtual checks and credit cards, and getting set up with them is a breeze. Go to ePayPolicy.com, use the code IGPODCAST. That is IGPODCAST, and you're going to get your first month free. ePayPolicy gets the insurance guy's seal of approval. They're a great company. I use them in my agency. I would highly recommend them
1: insurance agents from around the world welcome to the insurance guys podcast my name is scott howell your fearless host and leader insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for i protect insurance and financial services based out of huntsville alabama and before we get started on today's episode please help me welcome he is a six foot three sophomore from severland alabama parade first team all-american rivals five-star recruit he is a fantastic insurance agent and my friend Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley?
0: I'm great, Scott. How are you today?
1: I am the best I have ever been. Bradley, I have great news. I don't know if this is great news or not, but I know you're going to feel just a little bit, you know, a little tinge of, I don't know what you're going to feel. But tomorrow is an enhanced, severe weather day for us which means Thursday morning, it will be all hands on deck, probably getting 1,400 claims come in Thursday morning.
0: The zones are green, orange, and red, I think, right? Or mm-hmm. green, green, yellow, red. And we are right down at the bottom on, like, the edge of the yellow mm. where we are down in South Alabama. So we're, we're probably going to get a little bit, but not a ton. You, my friend – are right smack dab in the middle of it. I was actually yep. looking at that this morning. One of the things I like to do in the morning is pull up Scott's geolocation and see where he's located. But <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's it's uh, it's too soon past hurricane season.
1: <laughs> hey, we get a chance Thursday morning to be real insurance agents. Yeah, there, there's you know? a
0: guy here in Mobile named, Je- or not in Mobile, in Alabama named James Spann that is like Alabama's weatherman. And he's very active on Twitter and he's like a no BS. Weatherman. Right. He'll call other weather guys out or weather gals out for saying something that's exacerbated or exaggerated. And it was nice to have several months of not having to check his Twitter account multiple times a day to see what's going on weather-wise. So. Folks, let me tell you about James
1: Spann at WBRC6 in Birmingham, Alabama. Number one, if he takes his damn coat off, if he takes his damn coat off and has his suspenders showing best thing you can be doing is either getting in a storm shelter or in a basement. Because when the coat comes off, folks, it's about to get real, real. Number two, he will be live on television anywhere in central, north, and even southern Alabama. And here's how it goes. He'll go, hey, if you live on Walnut Street Lane in Double Springs, Alabama right now between the Chevron Station and And the Dollar General, you better take cover immediately. He gets down to like, he'll start talking about how there's a tire store two streets over from the Dollar General. And you're like, how in the hell does this guy know all this? It's like he is his own Google Maps in his head. And he knows where every. Bradley, am I lying? Am I I telling the truth? You're
0: not. We don't have that channel down south. He's. But I follow his Twitter account, and I've, I've seen the memes with his, you know, you know when James takes his shirt off and Jim Cantore t- shows up in your town, you're screwed, basically. Right. You know, we've had several of these days like this, and South Alabama's been kind of fortunate. Normally, stuff like this is really contained to North Alabama. Mm-hmm. We don't have tornadoes down here, really. I mean, not really, really. Not like y'all do, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a lot less anxious Friday than I am today. I'll promise you that (laughs) about the weather because we are spread out. I mean, we've got business up there, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, historically the state of Alabama, the month of April, the month of April is from the first to the end of the month is our month for long track EF five tornadoes that will blow everything off the map. If it hits you, that's the month of April. But it can go a few days on either side of the month of April, either late March or early May. I've seen some of that go on, and I'm hoping that we are still early enough being in the middle of March that if we do have tornadoes, maybe they won't be those, you know, long track, 45-mile long three mile
0: wide like stuff that you see on tv for the next 100 years you know i think what you're going to have is more just really powerful thunderstorms right which are fine like really you don't have a ton of claims of those right but where you have them is when the tornadoes spin off of them in my opinion mm-hmm. um when i was kind of looking at it and looking at like based on the historical data like i was like yes yeah, it's just gonna be a bunch of rain it's thunderstorms and you know, internet's going to go out and that sort of thing. We'll see though. We'll see. Yeah, It'll be interesting. No doubt. Oh, you know, this, when this airs, maybe Scott and I's houses aren't there anymore. I uh, not, <laughs> but like people listen to this, like we're eating our words, but.
1: This is us paying for the sin of living in the South and, and living in a warmer <laughs> climate that, you know, I think a lot of people, I know there's some States like Oklahoma and uh, Texas and some of those States get long track tornadoes, but a lot of people that move down here to Huntsville From places like Washington, D.C. and New York and Philadelphia and places, you know, they are just they're just like, hey, tell me about this tornado situation.
0: Well, I think the Birmingham area or the area between Birmingham and Huntsville actually has more tornadoes every year than the entire state of Oklahoma. Yeah. Yet Oklahoma is looked at as Tornado Alley. Which is I think they call
1: ours Dixie Alley now. I think that's kind of a new term that they've coined as Dixie Alley. But, guys, listen, I'll get off the tornado subject right now because I have a very important guest on the show today that I am super excited to have on here. I've been wanting her on here for a long time, and I'm so proud she's here today. So here's what I got for you guys today. We have got a guest on here today that I know can help you who has been extremely successful in the insurance industry. I've talked about her before on here, and I'm ready to get started and help you move the ball one step forward to greatness today. I've got a lot of things I want to talk to her about, and I'm just truly blessed and honored to have her on the show. So without further ado, she was born, raised, and lives in Sarah Land, Alabama. She is married to the Gary Vaynerchuk of insurance, Mr. Bradley Flowers, and they have one beautiful daughter named Clayton, and I'm not going to start crying because I told myself I wasn't going to start crying. She has her master's degree in business administration from the University of Mobile, and she began her insurance career as an associate agent with Farmers Insurance at 14 years old. That's a joke. I'm kidding. But it wasn't it wasn't far from that. It's close. She is on the board of directors for the Make-A-Wish Alabama Foundation. She is a vice president of membership for the Sarah Land Chamber of Commerce. She is currently the agency owner of Laurel Flowers State Farm, one of the fastest growing state farm agencies in the southeast and the unofficial mayor of Sarah Land, Alabama. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you Miss Laurel Flowers. How are you, Laurel?
2: Good. I'm glad to, uh, you've been bugging me to get on here since (laughs) episode number two. Absolutely. I'm here. I've (laughs)
1: always said I would absolutely love to have you. There's a lot of people that we're close to, that Bradley and I are close to, that I think about coming on the show a lot And, you know, life just kind of gets in the way and we talk about it and then stuff happens. And then I don't know, but I'm just proud and blessed to have you on the show today. And I'm going to try my best not to get into a lot of what most people would think I would be getting into today, which is, you know, what it's like to be married to another insurance agent and all that. I've got so many things that I want to talk to you about that I feel like can help insurance agents that are listening to this right now, one of your strong suits in the insurance business, and you've been doing this since I was joking about 14 years old, (laughs) but what, tell us when you started, tell us, because this story just blows me away. Tell me when you started in the insurance business.
2: So I was 17, so I couldn't even get my, it wasn't legal for me to get my insurance license yet. Right. My sister had just worked for the same agent, and she left to go, she took a corporate job at Coca-Cola and he messaged me and or messaged her and said, hey, can your little sister just come work here? I just need somebody to come help. So I started working there and doing a lot of the, I couldn't provide the quote, but I could like punch the data in. Right. Farmers down here is almost like an independent agent because you have so many companies because they couldn't write Certain things. So we would quote through all these different companies and then I would pass it off to somebody to give the quote. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I turned 18, I got my license. I mean, the month after. So that was in 2008. And I was listening to something you said the other day. And you, it sounded like you started in 08, too.
1: I did. Yeah, we start. <laughs> hey, here's we the, the same di- age. Hey, hey mm-hmm. yeah, here's the difference. And I tell Bradley this all the time. The difference in you and the difference in me and why you're going to be more successful than I am is you started in 2008 at the age of 17. I started in 2008 at the age of 35. So you've got so many more years that you can, you know, grow your agency
0: and do the things that you're going to do. I'm a little jealous of both of you guys for that. There's one thing I want to brag on her for that nobody knows because she's too humble to talk about it. Is that, that would have fit perfectly in your intro, I wish I'd remember to tell you, she is actually nominated right now to be Citizen of the Year for SaraLand. I 100% <laughs> believe that.
1: That is a beautiful segue. Congratulations on that, Laurel. But I, I wanted to talk to all these insurance agents about one of your strong suits today, and that is your community involvement. You know, I talk a lot about, you know, being active in your community, being the mayor of your community, If every insurance agent listening to this would act every day like they're running for governor, they would have a lot more business. But talk to our audience about your passion relative to being active in your community and how that just has kind of an unintended consequence for your business.
2: Yeah. Starting out whenever you're 17, you're not smart enough to have the business sense to try to sell and so my approach was very different my customers ended up loving me because I was just real with them I didn't know how to be anything else Mm -hmm. and so I started doing sales on the basis of educating and just befriending my people they became my people and I have just always had a passion for plugging into the community so I just naturally, just to connect with them person to person on a real level, started volunteering at different things. I have picked up a lot of business just from, it's a relationship business. Right. And those are the best clients. They're going to be with you forever because they're not with you because of the rate. Mm. And we do totally have customers just because of the rate. That happens too, but... But just plugging in and when customers see you out and about donating school supplies or dropping biscuits off to the fire department, they see stuff like that. And that's way better than billboards, advertisements and things like that. Mm -hmm. They see who you are. They don't just see this pretty picture stuck up there on a billboard on Highway 43.
1: Right. Tell me a little bit about when you finally got out there on your own and you went through the State Farm Agency Owner Program, what were some of the biggest things that you learned as a new agency owner coming into the insurance business? You, you were coming in from the associate agent side and then you get in there on your own and you're like, I know there had to be some stark differences that you probably were like, I got to learn this or I got I to gotta figure this out.
2: Yes, we screwed everything up. <laughs> I think we all do. I think we all do. Uh, there was I did my so yes I started in Daphne, Alabama as more of like an office manager role for six years, and then I moved to Nashville and he taught me how to be an agency owner. Right. And so I did all of my prep work around the Nashville model, which is a big metro city. Right. And then I come to Saraland, Alabama not the same demographic right. and everything that I had planned on doing got flipped on its head. The craziest thing that works in Sarah Land that I would have never thought to use in Nashville is direct mailers. Mm-hmm. We had customers Walking in the first month, hey, I got your letter. Where are you wanted to quote my insurance? And it's just a blanket template that's mass mailed out, but I got your letter. Right. <laughs> so there's just random things that I hey, learned let, and took Let me
1: stop. Let me stop you right there. Was that letter introducing you to the community? Like new state farm agent, my name's Laurel Flowers, or what was it?
2: No, it was just Hey, save fifteen percent on your insurance. It okay. was just blanket marketing, but it yeah. was written in a letter form, so cute. I love when people stop by and like, I got your letter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I know all of that was probably different. What else have you learned? Oh, it's, it's what been three years, three or four years now since you've started your agency.
2: Four years. Four. We just hit year four, finished year four, and got that behind us. Yeah. So we have gone through a lot in those four years and every year has presented a new challenge and you just have to be willing to admit whenever something doesn't work and change it. And this year it looks like the newest challenge is going to be figuring out how to have a newborn with an agency.
1: Uh, Are you you kidding me right now? Are you serious? Is this happening on the podcast? (laughs) Damn. Damn.
2: So you guys, had good news about the weather, and we wow. came on the podcast to tell you that good news.
1: Wow! To put you
2: on the spot,
1: <laughs> man. That is freaking awesome! Congratulations, guys. That is awesome.
2: Thank oh
1: you. Oh my god, I'm I'm blown away. I'm very rarely a Scott Howell speechless. I am speechless right now. So <laughs> let's get into that for a second. So we, we are about to, uh, change about to have the an endorsement to the Flowers family absolutely so do we know what we're having or is this still kind of an early stages kind of thing
2: no we are having a little boy
0: well congratulations yeah. i'm we're, so happy thinking of the name scott no 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 <laughs> uh, you, you, you
1: gotta go with something better than that
0: hey as soon as as soon as like not not as soon as but very short after finding out she's like okay now here's how we're gonna tell scott oh, Absolutely. <laughs> this was her
1: idea wow so we're gonna have a little boy. When's our due date?
2: It's the beginning of September, first week. Okay,
1: so not too terribly long from now. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, hey, on behalf of the two hundred and fifty thousand agents <laughs> listening right now, I want to say congratulations to both of you. You we're know, find out so, how many Facebook friends listen to the podcast because we're going to post at, yeah, absolutely. We will. That's fantastic. <laughs> that is fantastic. So that will add a different dynamic for the two of you. For it from in terms of. And it's not something you're not used to because Clayton, you know, you've been carrying her to dance recitals and school and all the other stuff. So it's not like this is like first time out of the gate, not knowing what we're going to do. But she, she's done,
0: the, I, so she can change plenty of diapers.
1: Yeah, no doubt. She's going to be a great babysitter too.
0: That's she's right. at that
1: perfect age to do some babysitting for you. I love it, man. I, I'm blown away right now. Congratulations, guys. That's a big. Oh, man, I feel like the luckiest guy in the world. I really. You do. should. You should. And having little boys, so you know when you're going to get to do all the t-ball and the coach pitch and the mm-hmm. practices and all that good
0: stuff. That's that's amazing. When we so, went to the, to the ultrasound, as soon as they started the ultrasound, I was like, "You don't even have to tell me. I see it. it I know what it is." So <laughs> obvious. Got it. There there was none of that. Hey, do you want to know what sex it
1: is? <laughs> I was like, I was like, like
0: Yeah, it's this one. We're
1: good. Is. So, Laurel, how do you think? having a newborn is going to affect your ability to continue to grow and all the stuff that State Farm and other agencies expect from females who do you know have a baby.
2: I feel like we are in a really good spot right now to do this because I have an awesome team and the team is still growing too so I think that we won't even slow up. Yeah. But I don't know how agents do it when they are pregnant during the internship and they open with a newborn. Right. I can't imagine it. So more power to them. But I do feel like we'll still be able to hit our goals and then some. And it's important to me and to our team that – we finish the year out strong and we do really strong leading up to that due date. Right. Because it affects you next year. The right. way a lot of our stuff works, having the rollover, so to speak, makes your goals more attainable the next year. So, yeah, I mean, we had a it's a really good year last year. And we're in the position to hit a big honor this year. And I want to hit it this year, but right. if we do, it's going to allow us to continue that momentum and keep doing it every year.
0: And I, I think, guess. too, like, it, I mean, it speaks to anything. Having a good team allows you to accomplish a lot. It really mm-hmm. doesn't matter the adversity or non-adversity, whatever it is, not the childhood adversity, but whatever you face, you know, having a good team allows you to pull through that. You can't do it on your own.
1: Well, listen, we've preached until we can't preach no more. This is <laughs> – this is the perfect example of why you've got to have great people in your agency, because, you know, you have a newborn baby as an agency owner, there's going to be some time you're going to need off and you're going to have to take off. And And depending on the level of competence and the types of people that you've hired is going to determine kind of which direction that thing goes, uh,
0: at least for a while until you get your feet back under you, you know? And she's an expert, to kind of like, she is so good at developing a process and sticking Uh to it, speaking more to like hiring process. And that was one of the things we wanted to cover. Like she has her process. This is how we do it. And we don't deviate from that. Right. And whereas I do that a little bit in mine, I'll go off the reel sometimes, but talk a little bit about your hiring process to get to the point of having this phenomenal team.
2: And that goes back to kind of lessons I learned in my first two years all these processes were bred from making mistakes and learning the hard way. And so I just try to do things better each time. And that's where these processes come from, but I'm not afraid to change it a little bit, but I feel like there's something to be said about consistency. Mm -hmm. So like my hiring process, um, and it doesn't make it right or wrong, but my hiring process is to send them an assessment. It tests their math and verbal skills so that You feel like you have someone that can test well, maybe pass the PNC test, speak well to your customers, and then also follow directions because in that email, they're supposed to respond and let you know they got the assessment. That weeds a lot of people out. Then we do a phone interview, so I'm not wasting time. I try to go ahead and talk about compensation, everything, and what they would gain from working for me, what we need. And then I'll bring them in for an in-person. Recently, I have just added a disc assessment to the end of that. Right. Because there's some question marks You're about, to get, you're about to get
0: Scott going.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. I've talked enough about the disc assessment. Yeah, I, I love
2: I, it. I learned it, a lot it, about it, my team and me. It, yeah,
1: it's a tool in my toolbox. I use the disc assessment. And I tell people when they take it, look, you're probably more than likely still going to get hired unless you're just completely off balance what we're looking for. There's
2: no right or wrong.
1: But the motivators, learning what motivates someone, learning different areas where they are someone who really loves to help people and genuinely wants to help people. Athena Stevens in my agency on the altruistic scale goes all the way up to 81. That was her most highest motivator is her kryptonite is when somebody says, can you help me? It's in her DNA. She has to help them. Conversely to that, Clinton or in my agency scored an eight. <laughs> so if you've got a flat tire on the side of I-65. He's going he's gonna to slash
0: the other one. <laughs> he is
1: going to drive by you doing 90 miles
0: an hour and never check up. Probably not even think about it. <laughs> So, you she's, got, I bet she's really high on the altruistic.
2: I, yeah. I didn't get to finish looking at mine, but it, my weaknesses, oh, they nailed it on the head.
0: Yeah.
1: The other motivator that I've noticed that's kind of a little bit of a red flag to me sometimes is the theoretical. How willing someone is to learn new things, that yes. wants to learn new things. Mm-hmm. We have... I would say a range. Most of my people are probably in the middle of theoretical, not on the high end, not on the low end. We do have a couple that are kind of on that lower end. And ironically enough, those are the people that you can tell are probably going to do the same thing for 20 years as they sell insurance. They're not really going to deviate much from that. Mm -hmm. So there's some great information in that disc profile.
0: What I like too about Laura Bruno's test is it gives you the questions at the end. Right. It gives you questions to ask based on answers they gave you in their disc and it will tell you you're not so much looking for the answer, you're looking Mm -hmm. at how they answer. Correct. And so like I had one recently, Laurel was like, ask this question and see if they squirm in their chair when you ask it and that tells you what you need to know. Right. But I think it's super important to not only find out where people fit via disc, but also what motivates them she's more likely to spend a day and volunteer charity wise. Mm-hmm. she spends almost as much time on Mega wish in my opinion, as she does on her insurance business. Now the two help each other. I'm more likely to just write a check. Right. I still want to help, but I'm like, here, here's a check. I don't want, right. you know what I mean? Right. Um, and that's one of the things that Laura told me, Laura's like, mm-hmm. I bet, I bet Laura, not Laurel. I bet you, that you're more likely to do this. And, and I was like, yeah, that's you're absolutely right. Yeah, I
1: will say this. One of the things I've started doing in my agency when we do a new hire, and it, I'm not doing this because I want them to make me feel good about why they want to come to work for the agency. That has nothing to do with this. And by the way, I learned this from Mike Stromso, I believe, is somewhere during that hiring process, I have them send me, A two paragraph email as to why they want to come to work for the agency. I don't give a damn why they want to come to work for the agency. I want to see how well they write Mm -hmm. because some of these people that we deal with, especially business owners, you can't send them an email that looks like a fourth grader sent it to them.
0: One of Mike's is you have to send an email with this specific subject line And if they don't do it exactly correctly down to the capitalization, he doesn't even open the email because that shows him that they have no attention to detail. Right.
2: Yeah. That shows attention to detail. Scott sending or them sending the two paragraphs to him shows that they want it and need it. And I didn't realize how important that trait was there until probably late last year. uh, Awesome agent down here said, don't hire someone that doesn't need to work for your sales team. Right. They're not going to be motivated if they still live in their parents' basement and don't pay any bills.
1: Sure. And that's so
2: true. And I never thought to consider like, do you need this job? Because what's going to, what am I going to do to motivate you? If Mm. at the end of the day, you're like, well, is it really worth the work?
1: Yeah. You know, Laurel, I don't mean to jump off subject real quick, but I, I want to say this too. It's something else I'm wildly intrigued about what you do. Do you have requirements for your sales team with State Farm on making outbound calls every day and, and how many they should be making every day? And then I'm going to tell you a story that kind of reinforces this in just a minute. But go ahead. I want to hear what you have to say about that
2: yes i've never let someone go over production levels right i think activity is the metric you should be looking at because they, that's controllable
1: Correct.
2: um and if they do that particular activity and you know your company's numbers then you should be able to get that result so yes i want them to either quote five households a day or make 35 outbound calls Mm -hmm. but I'm not naive to think that there's going to be days where you had some really big households that you're quoting or no one's answering the phone. So we look at it on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. I get a daily call report emailed at the end of every day at 5 PM. So I can see their numbers daily, but they know, you know, if you have a low day because there was a lot of service and walk-in traffic, which is one of the other differences in Nashville, we'll have, on average, 70 inbound calls to my office and 10 to 15 walk-ins. We didn't have that in Metro right. Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But they want to talk to us in Sierra yeah. Land. So, yeah, they, they when, just look at it weekly. When
0: we were had first started dating, I was at Alpha. And there was a day where we took a large amount of money in cash. And which was that, that whole like uh, that whole like narrative was the reason that portals like we don't take cash right is eft paying full or we don't take you but i was like yeah we took this much in cash today and it was like five figures yeah. and she was like wait a minute you took how much <laughs> like <laughs> what because it was like right after you but moved you know down. we're
2: doing that now
0: yeah say it one more time what is your requirement per agent per day on coke outbound calls
2: 35, 35 or five quotes
0: and it's because you know that the activity equals the activity
2: and that's totally a reasonable number yeah
1: so i have a confession mate bradley bradley and i are engaged in a war right now in a sales war to see who the intercontinental champion of the world is so here's my confession here's my confession one of the reasons i did that for march i have a husband-wife team that works here as they're both agents and they are fantastic agents I would say from their product knowledge standpoint and their sales acumen and their tonality and the way they talk to people on the phone, they are nearly exactly equal. Now, this is the first time that this scientific test has ever been done in the history of the world. But I have got two people that are husband wife, and if you graded them out as personal lines insurance agents – I think the two scores that you would come up with would be almost identical. Here's the difference. You ready for the difference? Jessica Miller will outsell every month of the year for the rest of her life. She will outsell her husband by about 30%. And you go, well, how could you have two agents that are identical in every way One's a male, one's a female, but they both have the same set of skills. They both know their product knowledge. Here's why. And here's one reason why I got into this sales war with Bradley Flowers. I called Jessica one day in early February, and we were talking on the phone. And through that conversation, she said, well, you know, I started with you on January the 15th, and every single day that I have been here, I have made – 30 outbound calls a day that were either cross sell opportunities to existing clients, cold calls off Colex dates, warm calls to contacts, friends, family, those kinds of people, or people who had left iProtect and I'm wanting to get them back. And I said, did you just tell me that you're making 30 outbound cold calls, cross sell calls a day, 30 a day, five days a week? She said, yeah. 30 a day. That's what I have to do every day. And I said, Jess, do you realize how much insurance you're going to sell in March? If you start 30 calls a day on January the 15th and you do that every day of the month for all 12 months, Mm -hmm. you're going to sell about 30% more in personalized. You know who doesn't do that? Her husband. (laughs) Yeah. He is passive marketing guy. He wants to do, Postcards, Facebook ads, giveaways—all the passive marketing things—that does bring some business in the door, but it's not picking up the greatest sales tool that has ever been devised in the history of mankind: the telephone and actually speaking to someone. Now we know why Scott picked Mark. That's it. I, I, when I heard when she told me that, and I said, "You mean to tell me?" Since January the 15th, all the way through February, you've been making 30 cold calls a day. She said, absolutely, I have. And I said, my God, you were going to sell, you were gonna sell <laughs> all so right, much. I'm
0: calling Bradley. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm calling Bradley. We're going to do a sales contest. And then this goes back to Bradley's point this morning about consistency. You will talk about consistency. Do that every day for an entire yeah. year. Now you've just sold 30% more over all 12 months.
2: That's how I train my new people. I have like a consistent training process for new people. I literally have a lesson planned for the first two weeks. But in that, I always tell them this activity is not going to get you business this month. Do not be discouraged. And in fanatical prospecting, he gives the example of, of he tells every person that he brings on that you're gonna work your tail off this month and probably even next month for very little fruit, but if you give it 60 days, you will make a ton of money. And he had one person that he told that to over and over again and she didn't listen and she gave up and she quit. And her commission check would have been like $9,000 on what she would have sold, what they closed because she solicited it and then they called back and bought Correct. I tell my team that, like, don't get discouraged because this is the story, and this is this is true for every new hire. Give yep. it two months, and you will see results. Right, Just consistent with the activity.
0: That's right. exactly what it is, and that's kind of what we talked about this morning via Facebook yeah. Messenger. Is we're ribbing each other in this big group text, and and I I said the way that I do this, the way that I'm approaching this, is very similar to the way that when I used to play golf. So I never was the golfer that would go out and make six birdies in a round of golf I think the best I ever shot was 64 with like four bogeys or something stupid like that I was always like an even par kind of guy when I would play good and and my strategy was playing golf is I was going to outlast you I was going to out consistency you I guess that's not a phrase but I was going to sit there par 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 bogey birdie par 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 par, and you're coming in and going birdie 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 double bogey double bogey double bogey you know and I'm just going to consistently be there and that's kind of how I approach this this in any sales competition I've ever been in even when I was captive because I, I there was a lot of like you can win a Yeti or you can win a trip or something of that nature my attitude always was is I'm just going to do what I know how to do now I'm going to be super competitive and want to win but I'm not going to get so engulfed in the contest mm-hmm. because what happens I think sometimes is people get so engulfed and like I've got to win and I've got to do this that you almost take your eye off the ball of as my dad says, dancing with the girl you brought to the dance. You know what I mean? Do what you know how to do and everything else. And so that's how our team is approaching this is like, hey, we know we're going to do our 160 to 180. Now we're going to want to win and we're going to fight and we're going to try to write stuff. But if we do 180,000 and Scott beats us, I'm happy to write that check. Absolutely. But y'all
2: need to do a best two out of three because whoever's team loses is going to be so mad that the next month they're going to have to beat the other person and then there's got to be a tiebreaker. Well, and and Scott, if,
0: if I lose, okay, you're coming yeah. to town in two weeks, which is I the am. end of the month. If I lose, I have the best idea I've ever had. Mm. It will be a viral YouTube video. Mm. I almost hope I lose. Like, <laughs> it's it's going to be so funny. And if, if I win, I'm going to have to tell you. Right. But it's the, I just, is
2: there a Duncan every, booth involved?
0: Every, no, there's not. Everybody <laughs> listening to this check back on our social media first week of april i promise you it will be worth it if bradley loses
1: hey bradley let me let me say this to your point just a minute ago and i'm speaking to the 250,000 insurance agents out there if you can figure out a way to do exactly what laurel and bradley and i just talked about and increase that activity via the phone yes. with each one of your agents now now let me say this guys listen to me what I'm talking about are people who have honed their phone skills, their product knowledge, they know their competitor stuff, they know their stuff, they have their internal scripts written to the point that they know them backwards and forwards. Those people are deadly yeah. when they can make 30 phone calls a day, deadly. Now, if you do that, and then you sew up your back end, and you play defense on renewals, okay? Yep. And you figure that part out, so you've got the the front end of the house done, and they're writing the shit out of business, and you've got your back end sewed up.
0: Well, now you got a twenty million dollar agency. Well, and and two, it's it's one of those things too. You don't get better by making wild changes in your activity. You get no. better with incremental change. People grossly overestimate what they can do in a short amount of time right. and grossly underestimate what they can do in a long amount of time. And I'm slowly getting big into fitness. And one of the things that a couple out there's a trainer I follow. And one of the things he talks about, Jordan Syatt, shout out to Jordan. One of the Woo-hoo. things he talks about is when people make the commitment to start getting healthy, they will start some like ridiculous workout regimen, like right from the get and just completely like break themselves, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whether it's a diet or a workout regimen, you're better off starting slow. Okay. Instead of working out zero days a week, let's do two. All right. Now it's up and slowly work, build your way up to that rather than trying to go from zero to pulling the rip cord out and running a Spartan race. And so I think that's the way that Laurel does a phenomenal job in her agency compared to me, one of the mistakes I make in my agency is, is I'm liable to walk in here one day and be like, all right, we're not doing this this way anymore. We're doing it this way and completely changing the gamut. Whereas she's, she's got her, her tried and true. And then it's like, okay, let's change this one little thing. Let's change this one little thing. Let's change this one little thing. And it's apparent in how well her agency runs. I promise you, she can spend way less time at her agency than I can. But right. the
2: reason why I can make small changes is because I made big changes in the first one, two years, more like a year, year and a half. And I figured out what does, didn't work. And it's stressful for the team to have major changes. So I went ahead and made them so that later on I could make incre- incremental. But um, Scott, I feel like it's not just activity. There's a second part that you have to have both of the pieces to this puzzle. You have to call a certain number of people, whatever your number is, but you also have to follow up in a very consistent way. And we have another process for that. Whatever the process is, it's not wrong to call them on day three, five, 10, seven, versus mm. 11, 14, you know, whatever right. your process is. But most people aren't following up seven times but statistically that's how many times it takes for you to be able to close that lead and that's the piece that we were missing we were doing the activity on the front end but we weren't consistently following up and checking back with them at incremental periods of time we started doing that at the beginning of this year and our closing ratio has shot up
1: can you tell us, all these agents listening to this, what is your follow-up process on personal lines as far as, so they make the call, they introduce themselves, they know their product knowledge, they know their competitors, they know what to say, they've got all the, the tonality down, and then they get off the call. What, what's that follow-up process look like after that?
2: They call, text, and email. Okay. because We need to figure out how the customer wants to be communicated with and how Correct. they respond. But they, if they don't get that person on the phone on day one, they're actually going to call again on day one and email and text. Um, and then they do it on day three and day five. Uh, I'm sorry, day, day one. And then the next day they call again. They skip a day, call the next day. Mm-hmm. Then day seven and day 10, day 30, six months, a year, two years. So there's little tasks that get set to tell them, so every morning they sign on and they see all the tasks that they have due for that day. And they're all strategically placed. And it says what day they're on. So they know, Oh, I want to call this guy that I just talked to or quoted or just came in three days ago before I call this guy from two years ago. Right. So, and if you don't get to it, then the next day it's, it's going to stay there.
1: What is the top three for personal lines agents? What is the top three? Attributes that you see in somebody that you, when you're interviewing them as a new hire, you're looking for in a great salesperson.
2: I'm not afraid to pick up the phone and call. Yeah. There's this sweet girl that I would love to hire for my service team because I feel like she'd be a good caregiver and caretaker to my customer, but I don't feel like she would be bold enough to pick up the phone and call and follow up. And I think that would go against her personality. So I need someone that, that and that needs to have a job and wants to work. Those, I didn't realize I needed before, but the people that didn't work out in my office, a lot of times their parents were just paying their bills and they, parents don't realize what a crutch they're being for their child. They're crippling them by just being there all the time. Like let them do, Helicopter. their job yes it's it's ruining i feel like the work ethic in our office environments it's harder to find
1: you better be glad my wife's not here because she would have just pushed me out of the way and started talking for 45 minutes. i'm serious boy she is hardcore about that shit
2: oh um, yes
1: i mean she's like look 18 years old you're an adult we know we love you but you got to get out there and get in the big bad world and get knocked around a little bit because you got so many kids that go straight from high school to college and drink beer and hang out with their buddies for four years. And y'all know how college is. I mean, you don't
2: know what it means to work hard,
1: right? It's college is college. And so uh, then they get out in the big bad world and they're like, "Whoa, wow, this is different, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. So uh, I, you know, uh, Never mind. (laughs) It's so different than a normal. I'm not used to having somebody sitting right here. So it's kind of.
2: And I have facial expressions that bother him because I'll just steadily have this mean mug face. (laughs) It's like, why are you looking at me like that? Like, I'm
0: just. Uh, One one thing I wanted to bring up and talk about, if she's not going to bring it up, is she has a phenomenal company culture in her agency. Mm. Phenomenal. They are like a family, and the customers can feel that. Right. They can feel that. To be frank, I mean, I, I had a customer in my prior life that was one of those people that when you saw this person pull up in the office, everybody was like, oh my God, if we could lock the door right now, we would. Right. And I actually have a keynote presentation that I'm going to give a 45 minute presentation <laughs> dissecting our relationship with this customer and what we did wrong. Now that I'm out of my non-compete and talk about it. Um so if you're with a state association and listening, yep, yep. Customer left, went to her office. The person literally hugs every single person when they walk in the office, and we are half considering this person to be the nanny to our child. Right. Completely different. Almost it's yeah. the same person, but it's like it's a completely different person because they have such a phenomenal company culture at their office. When you walk in the door, you get this warm and fuzzy feeling. So that culture, we we often think about culture as like internally, but that culture is projecting and the customers are feeling that. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, one of the reasons why you have a phenomenal company culture is because you are not afraid to fire the crap out of somebody that does not fit and you don't let it fester talk a little bit about your firing process because that's just as important as the hiring process and maybe even more important than the sales process.
2: I know who you're talking about. She stopped by the other day just to tell me where I could get some flowers for my front porch and walked out the door. She like just <laughs> stops by. It's so funny. But, um, but yeah, so I, I'm not afraid to fire someone. But I and my, back to the disk, my weakness is hurting people's feelings. I cannot stand it hurts me to hurt them. <laughs> right. I have to make sure that I have set clear expectations and I've communicated that with them multiple times. So anyone there's one exception to this, but anyone that I've let go other than this one person, I have had multiple verbal warnings, written warnings, probation, uh, we have sat down and we have talked about the problem. So you, they're not surprised whenever they come in and they find out that this is their last day. And I also, because I have a hard time hurting people's feelings, I have a hard time having those conversations, but uh. I know I have to, to be fair. So whenever I have them, I mean, I rehearse them in my head several times. Like this is how I need to approach it. They need to understand that I'm not doing this to be mean, that I'm doing this because this agency is my baby. And this is something that I've built from age 17. (laughs) So they know whenever they're coming in, I'm not coming at them to be mean. Right. I'm just having a frank conversation. So I make myself do that so that whenever I do let someone go, I don't have to feel guilty. It still bothers me, but they have had every chance to succeed. There's only one time that I didn't do that and it's because it wasn't that they weren't doing the activity or were like writing credit card numbers down when they shouldn't be and they should be putting it in the system. It was more of... Was it because of that? Right. No, the reason why this person was let go without me having several conversations is because it was things you just shouldn't have to teach kind of going right. back to what we were talking about. Like I shouldn't have like to tell you etiquette. office etiquette. Yeah. I, I shouldn't have to tell you to let me know when you're not going to show up. Right. You should call oh, me. And and I think it's,
0: it's so important too, is we've had some folks that, you know, we've had to let go as well. Fortunately, it's been a while since we have had to do that. We have an awesome team right now. You just gotta make sure they're not surprised that's mistake I made early and that's where I should have followed her process because as I'm talking to her about issues that we're having in the agency, right? She's saying, okay, you need to do a written warning, but I'm like, I don't want to do in my head. I'm like, I don't want to do all that. Yeah. And then what happens is it festers, festers, festers. Then all of a sudden you've just had enough. It's like, Hey, today's going to be your last day. And they're just flabbergasted. That's the worst thing you can do. But to me, it's not
2: fair for the team member. It's not. And if you're not being clear and honest so even though it's a hard conversation to have, I just have it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You just have to, to be fair.
0: You want to hear my favorite Scott Howell firing somebody story? <laughs> I've had a lot but of Scott them. and I barely knew each other. We were just like friendly on Snapchat. He called me one day and he was like, hey man, I got somebody that's this moving down there near you. you. And we needed somebody bad at Alpha at the time. I was like, yeah man, send her my way. And I never heard anything. This was like, We weren't on the page where we could talk, call each other every single day. It was like an every now and then kind of thing. And I called him like two weeks later. I'm like, "Hey man, what? uh, What about that lady?" He said, "Oh man, she and I got into an ass tangling a couple weeks ago, so I had to let her go." (laughs) Scott, yeah, phrases.
1: Yeah, she was leaving to go down. She ended up working as a bartender at the, uh, is that the Pink Pony Pub
0: in Goshen? A, yeah, bunch of, think, a bunch of insurance agents that vacation to Gulf Shores, and yeah. I know there's some of you, just said, I've been there. Been there, been there, yeah. That's where my yeah. parents go when they go to Gulf Shores. She announced to me that she was
1: moving down to Gulf Shores. I said, man, that's great. Well, you know, you want to work out a two-week notice? Yeah. Well, we got about one week into that, and I can't remember what happened, but we got into it, and she packed her stuff up and left that day and just walked out. So there went that opportunity down the drain. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know – I, I couldn't agree with both of you more. As one of the things I was telling somebody the other day is, I always feel like I'm responsible when somebody doesn't work out, and yeah. usually, you want to in my to them. opinion, yeah, in, in my opinion, when I go back and look, I'm, I sometimes I'll think to myself, "Well, I didn't train them properly. I didn't take the time to teach them what they needed to learn." And I'm I am in the fortunate position now that I have enough really good people here to help me train that I don't think anybody can come to me and go, Oh, well you didn't. And I do the, you know, the full job description and their employment agreement. And I even break down for them as a addendum to that job description, what their average day is going to look like so that they don't have this mindset of, I think it's going to be this way, but it turns out to be that way. That's something that I started doing a couple of years ago. Like, okay, Not saying this is going to be your job, you know, what you're going to do every day. But here's kind of a here's kind of an average day of what I think you'll be doing in the office. And I think that helps, too, so that they kind of have that visual in their mind of what they're going to be doing every day. I think sometimes agents hire people to do one thing and they end up doing something else when they get in the office. And they're like, wait a minute, this isn't what I signed up for.
0: Yeah, I think we're, we're about to, yeah. we're, we're going through, as a lot of the listeners know, total CSR for our new hires. And I'm so excited to hire somebody so I can put them through it, but I'm going through it first before I give it to anybody, just because if they have questions, I don't want to not know what's in the training. I just got them to do. right and, uh, But one of the things I like is they do a lot of breakdowns of very, very simple stuff in an agency mm-hmm. that you're going to deal with, but that's not on a licensing test. Sure. Such as how to issue certificates and why you want to make sure this box is checked and not this one and that sort of thing. A lot of, and then they explain why. So they do a a pretty good, a really good job of that.
1: Yeah. Well, Bradley, I I haven't told you this yet, but I'm about to hire another agent. And what that means for our agency is we're going to have to start paying our labor attorneys $350 an hour to try to weed through the non-compete so that when we do get sued, which gets happens every time I hire an insurance agent, I get sued. I feel like and sometimes. they get sued or we get the letter of, you know, whatever. So I'm sure I'll probably have $2,000 worth of labor attorney bills that I'm going to have to pay here in the next couple of months. I've just learned that that's kind of standard operating procedure. Now, if you hire a great agent from somewhere else, get ready because there's going to be some fireworks.
2: Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like I can afford current producers yeah. um, because our base is low. It's the commission that's high. Right. And so I have had the most success just hiring people that are in a totally different career.
1: See, I'm the exact opposite, Laurel. I only hire hire experienced, personalized people. That's why you have the high legal fees. That's why I have the high legal fees. I don't
2: want to have to retrain. We have a very different way of having conversations than agents that I know. And if I hired from them, I would just have to fix all the crap that Mm -hmm. they taught them to do the wrong way.
1: Well, guys, I hate to get off this podcast. I want to say, first and foremost, congratulations to the six foot three sophomore and his beautiful all star award winning State Farm wife for their new addition to the family. And my three baby names would either be Death Machine, Crash, or Seven. I love those three names. So, any one of those three names that you want to go with, I'm okay
0: with. We will take that under advisement. Yeah. And, and I apologize. We're going to give the baby the disc test as soon as he's born. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I also apologize. I've
1: got to get off this podcast because of the 400 people that are going to try to insure something that hasn't been insured in two years because they know storms are coming tomorrow. And
0: they're probably calling the agency right now going, can I
1: get my barn insured real quick? I mean, the
0: storm's uh-huh. coming tomorrow. Are you under binding restrictions at all? No, no. Nah, oh, that's, that's, that's a bad situation. We have weather coming and there's no binding restrictions. I'm a, hey, like, in
1: tornado season, we probably need to implement our own binding restrictions within the agency. I bet you your you underwriters know. would like that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Guys, listen Good to luck, me. We, we have spit a lot of great information for you today, guys. And I am proud and humbled that Laurel would take the time to be on here with us. I just, I'm so happy for both of y'all. But as I always say, rewards come from action, not discussion. You want to sell 30% more insurance? Go make 30 more cold calls a day and you will do that. If you don't, you won't. It's just that easy. And go make money for your wife, for your husband, for your kids' college fund, for your parents that are struggling out there today. Write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent Laurel Flowers, I love you. I I love you, Scott. (laughs) I appreciate y'all. And guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com.